0: the day that Jesus shows up. And you know, I found it incredibly frustrating preparing for today because all the things I like to do on Palm Sunday that really bring that wally of excitement, that big, oh yes, we're here. You're not allowed. We can't sing. We can't chant. We can't dance. I don't know if you're into that we can't even wave branches because we might spread stuff around and we're being really careful for all the right reasons but there was so much frustration it was interesting though I, I was we have a, a chat group of ministers um, on, online and, and and when we heard that the churches could be open it was Pam Sunday the first question folk asked is do the donkeys count in the number now there's a bit of a, a professional joke here because one of the things that we always talk about when we talk about mad ministers who do crazy things in services is about people bringing donkeys into the church on Palm Sunday because one or two churches have done it. I didn't think it was a really good idea today. I could have run it past the risk assessment group for COVID to see whether it would meet the regulations, but even, even if there was no COVID, bringing a donkey into church could be a little bit disruptive, couldn't it? I mean, you would end up with a uh, yeah. Donkeys are disruptive. That's the bottom line. And when Jesus took that donkey and rode into Jerusalem, he was being disruptive. We've just seen that in the clip. He was letting the disciples let rip in their praise and proclaim him king. But it was, in fact, the worst possible moment he could have chosen to do it. It was Jerusalem, the capital city, and it was really, really busy. Crowds of people because of the Passover. If you think the run-up to the Scottish election is stressful, then you should have seen what the run-up to a Passover would be. The crowds that were coming for that festival, but not just that, the very nature of the festival itself. This is occupied Judea. The Romans are in charge, and the people are coming to celebrate a festival of liberation. They're coming to remember how their God turned up and dealt with the oppressive Egyptians. Well, if you're a Roman, you're nervous about all of that. It's just waiting to explode, and it had exploded in the past. Like a football match in the middle of lockdown. It's just a powder keg waiting for it all to go wrong. The extra troops had been brought in by the Romans. They had a, a fortress just near the temple and they would have packed it with riot troops they'd brought in from the coast. They were all ready for the trouble. And Jesus gets on a donkey. A donkey. But not just a donkey in a church that people might think that's a bit strange. He knew exactly what he was doing as he came with his crowds and got onto a donkey, because people immediately were thinking of that Bible verse that is quoted from, Je- from Zechariah 9.9. Now, today, in our culture, we might not immediately see a donkey and think Zechariah 9.9. We tend to think beach donkey rides or whatever else it was, but they would have made the connection because Zechariah 9.9 says, rejoice, daughter of Zion, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding a donkey. A donkey. The crowds got it immediately. Hosanna, Hosanna. It means deliver us, save us, set us free. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Quoting Psalm 118, which goes on to speak about bringing the branches in the festival procession up to the house of the Lord. And so they got their cloaks and their branches and they knew what they were doing. They were proclaiming that the Messiah had come. They were proclaiming that the king was coming back into his capital with all the explosion that you would expect. And the scribes and the teachers, they weren't slow to tell them to shut up. Shoosh, stop it. You're gonna cause a ruckus. You're gonna get us into trouble. You're gonna have the soldiers come. Somebody's gonna get killed. And they weren't wrong, were they? Somebody did get killed. The strange thing that I always struggle with, with church, is this. That we celebrate a Lord who was the most disruptive force in the whole of history. And we do it with ritual and order and never change anything and don't upset anyone. And you better not move that flower vase because somebody won't like it. Jesus came as king in the line of David and he came to take charge and he came to turn the world upside down again. It was always that way, that disruptive claim claiming to be a king in the middle of a rebellious people. It would happen in the years that went by, as the Romans persecuted the Christians and put them to death in the arena. They didn't just do it for sport. They did it for a particular reason. And that was because these Christians were dangerous. These Christians said, Jesus is Lord. And Rome was all built on a different statement. Caesar is Lord. Our religion, our worship, our politics, our economics, the way that we live our life, that we conduct our affairs, our military, our policing, our cities, are all orientated around Caesar and the order that he brings and the kingdom that he creates and the way that things are done in good order under him. And suddenly, these disruptive Christians are proclaiming over every part of life Jesus is Lord, not just Lord of the religion, but Lord of the body, Lord of the life, Lord of the family, Lord of the politics, Lord of everything else in this world that he comes over to reign. Our loyalty is to him. It was a revolution, and the Romans recognized it in a way that today the church so often fails to. And yet, we say it every week. We've just prayed it. Your kingdom come. That was exactly the same things that the crowds were shouting that day to Jesus. Come and be king and blow this whole thing away. For when we say your kingdom come, we make a statement that is all-encompassing your reign, your values, your name. Take over everything, Lord. And may the kingdoms of this world depart. May this no longer be the kingdom of Boris or Nicola or Trump or Biden or whoever else you might want to know. May that not be where our allegiance and our hopes and our future is, but may our finances, our priorities, our hopes, our values, our desires, our aspirations, the way that we order, our thinking, and everything about us reflect Jesus. Worship Jesus. Live for Jesus. Breathe for Jesus. Until the kingdoms of the world become the kingdoms of the Lord and of his Messiah, and he shall reign forever and ever and ever. It is a huge, enormous claim. But there's a problem. Because even in our hearts, never mind in this world with all of its values, do we want a king? I don't mean a constitutional monarch that you can have a debate about whether you want a republic or, 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 or you want Mrs. Windsor or whatever you want there, which actually wouldn't make much difference to your life either way. I mean a Lord who sets your agenda, who moves your heart, who motivates your life, who is your all in all. Do you want that? Because human beings tend not to Even that crowd shouting, come the king, they would change their minds pretty quickly. Crucify him. Crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. Do we want a master, a boss, and a disrupting, demanding one who will shake our very world and our very lives? Do we? Heck! I will decide how I live my life i will say no when i've had enough i will set the agenda and the values it's the instinct in every single one of us and this claim of jesus huh but look again at this story because this claim of jesus isn't just to be a king It's an absurd claim. It's a donkey. It might be the symbol of royalty in some prophecies from Zechariah, but it's still a flippin' donkey and it's pooing on the ground. This is ridiculous. Imagine a great leader announcing that he's going to take over the whole of society and his press conference and all the lights and everything else, and there's a flippin' donkey. Paul said the same when he spoke about this. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, for this was the truth of this king that was to come in this week that he was to take his throne. It would be a crown of thorns and a throne of nails. Ridiculous. Follow the donkey king and it will make an ass of you. They will laugh at you. That's what Paul was talking about. If you want to understand it, just look at how the Romans treated it. In the middle of the 19th century, in 1857, there was some excavations done near the Palatine in Rome, near the Imperial Palace recovering what ancient Rome had been like and there they found the remains of what had been a boys boarding school from the first century and on the wall they found some graffiti the graffiti was like what you would expect boys to put on the wall when they write graffiti it was rather rude it was abusive here it is sorry if it's a bit raw two thousand years old It is a picture of a naked donkey on a cross. And below it are written words which translate, Alexandros worships his God. You can just feel some young Christian boy being mocked and abused because you follow the God that died on a cross as a criminal, the donkey God, the ridiculous God that no one takes very seriously at all and as they ridiculed him they ridicule you and they ridicule us but Jesus very deliberately chose the donkey the lord very deliberately prophesied years before through his word that he would choose a donkey why Because this king that comes to rule over the world and demand our allegiance comes in a way that no other power on earth has ever come. Humble and humiliated, broken and ridiculous, praised only by children and ignored by authorities, taking on all the ridicule that we feel The thing that we want to avoid when we take mastery of our own fate, being held in contempt and giving his all as he died for us in the week that came upon the cross. We want to be our own boss, we want to be our own king, our own ruler, our own center of everything, but the one who comes to make a claim on us as our king comes as the one who did none of those things himself, but emptied himself and took on the cross and took on the ridiculousness of it, the pain of it, and changed everything. For if we will follow him, not only will he become our king, but we will realize that all the reasons that we wanted no king don't apply to this kingship for he set aside the pride and the me first and that I'm all right Jack and I'll look out for myself and I'll be in control as he gave his life up submitted himself to his father and died upon a cross so those of us who follow him also give up lay down Surrender and serve, for the donkey king did that for us. Hosanna.